Imagine building an organization that provides not just for you and your family, but for the families of hundreds more. A brand recognized as a leader in your field. Why is it that some leaders are able to inspire a team and have a profound impact on our world, while others attempt to beat their teams into submission through micromanagement and managers who, regardless of title, are not leaders, costing their business to lose great talents and resources through attrition and toxic culture, ultimately running a great brand right into the ground? There is something else at play here, and we want to know why. It's your brand. Protect it. Protect it from both the outside and inside of your organization. Welcome to Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, alongside co-host David Morrow. We explore great leaders, great brands, and the reasons why they succeed. We also take a look at stories of toxic cultures and the fall of some iconic brands. We'll play brand trivia and interview some of the leading entrepreneurs in today's business world. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the episode, and please don't forget to subscribe and follow. Let's begin. Welcome, everyone, to Brandology Podcast. This is your host, David Morrow. In the studio today is co-host Mark Mosher. Mark, how are you? Good morning, David. How are you? I'm doing good. You sound good. Your audio sounds fixed. It sounds clear, good. We're back on track. Well, sound like you're in a good mood. I'm glad. Now, why is that? How come you're in a good mood? Good mood's a choice, David. Good mood is a choice. It's It's not a a result of circumstances. It's a choice. Yeah. I like that. I I I appreciate that. Well, we are really excited. I'm personally honored to have in our uh, studio today. Mike Stramaglio uh, from uh, Arizona and originally from Chicago. He actually uh, knew my father and uh, we wound up being in the same business and he is so, an amazing brand and is has recently um, been merged in with the Konica Minolta uh, uh, global enterprise and we're going to hear all about it. We're going to hear about this brand and Mike, welcome, sir. Hey, thank you very much. And it as is I said, an just a absolute honor for, for, for me to be here with you. Let me tell you for the that. Listeners that. For the listeners that don't realize, this is, this is the godfather here of the print industry. It this really is. This guy, really he is. started at Minolta, goes full circle, and comes back and finishes with Conicum. It's just a great story. It's really great to have you here, Mike. Thanks. Yeah, Mark, thank you very much. It's probably, well, not probably, it's the highlight really of what I would would have hoped to say was a pretty uh, pretty great career. You know, I spent 19 years at Minolta and went off on my own and, you know, ended up being president and uh, COO of Hitachi Koki around the world, which was fun. Uh, but to finish my career, having sold the company I started 15 years ago, back to the company I began my career with, that's about as good a story as you're going to get. Yeah, that's a great ride. <laughs> that's a great ride. You know that? Like, that's a great arc. You know, you, know, you hope, um, you know, you set things in motion. You hope yep. for success. You, know, you put teams in place to get you there. But my 19 years at Minolta, the beginning part of my career, uh, were really phenomenal. I mean, I learned so much when I was at Minolta. Yep. And I had a dream. You know, my dream actually was to start a company. And, um, you know, have, have, I didn't know Conoco would buy Minolta or Merge, but that they would buy my company, you know, towards the end of my career. And that's exactly what happened. So, yeah, people don't but, even realize that, really. I mean, when they, when they think of Conoco Minolta, they think of the cameras, or they don't even remember 
them being separate entities. They were completely separate. It's like Kanaka Minolta and Xerox right now. Like they were competitors, right? And now it's one and it's a massive, massive enterprise with great market share. And I'm talking every possible service you can, I think it's overwhelming sometimes. Because I'll sit with a client and I'll hear 40 issues that they're having. And I'm like, uh, where do we start? What do we feel like talking about today? Like, And then I, I really just ask clients, what's the most important thing for you? You just mentioned 40 things. What do you need done first? Because whatever it is, I think we can help you. Right? I think pretty pretty sure we've got something there for you. So it's pretty exciting. Well, it, 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 you know, it is phenomenal. I mean, you and I were just talking a minute ago with Mark about, you know, Xerox back in the day. Oh, yeah. You know, all you, all you have to do is wake up in the morning. You didn't even have to do much and know much. It just made a print or a copy. Yep. But we called it a solution, you know, which right. is really a solution. And now you fast forward all these years and you're 100% right. I mean, Kanika Minolta became Kanika Minolta. They were vicious uh, or certainly uh, aggressive competitors. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, then you buy All Covered and then you have IT services. I mean, just it's an amazing journey to be in this business when you watch it as long as I have and lived it as long as I have. So, um, and yeah. for those of my family members that listen, which are probably five of the 10 listeners that we have. No, I'm just kidding. We, <laughs> we, ha- we actually have a ton. Um, but, uh, but so you knew my dad. So you grew up in Chicago. You grew yeah. up over, and Mark, if you and I haven't been together in Chicago, we are definitely going to go over by Taylor Street because that's Little Italy. And when oh, they yeah. say Little Italy, like literally, what is it? It's nine o'clock it's eight o'clock in the morning there right now because they're on central time give it a couple hours you will see a couple guys with black shirts having some coffee just outside at the cafes like it's little italy like they're talking politics they're talking business they're just and they're getting business done it doesn't look like it but it's happening and things are transacted and it's just amazing. And then... Uh, so, so, Mark, he just he just said black shirt and a cup of coffee. Hey, look at that. <laughs> look, at, I, look at this I, guy. And I had that on other than other than I have to actually go to a meeting later. That's why I have this on. That's so, so funny. That's so it, funny. Well, it is funny, and you're 100% right. I mean, back in the day, Little League was not so little, much right. bigger. You know, and then they put the University of Illinois Circle Campus yeah. on top of it. But you're right, I knew your dad, and, and I think the beauty of that is when you come from those neighborhoods, and Mark, I don't know where you grew up, but you know when you come from those old neighborhoods, and especially years and years ago, I did know your dad, he's a, he, a phenomenal guy. I mean, and, but we always had these connections because of our roots. Mm-hmm. You know, we always kind of were in the same neighborhood and the same group of people. And uh, it's fun to watch the people grow up and have successful careers. It really is. And I did say, I feel really funny because I'm looking at your dad. Yeah, I I take that as a compliment. uh, Well, better than your dad. You look better than your dad. Well, my mom was, my my friends used to say my mom was pretty pretty good looking, I guess. So I never liked those comments, but now I'm appreciated as I get older. So that's good. And and by the way, thank you. I really appreciate the invitation to be on here. I, I love the concept of the brand. Yeah, well, we love it too because a brand. Like, here's the here's what what triggered this whole thing. Mark and I love working together, and we love 
reaching out to business leaders and we love our business meetings because we learn so much being you know it is it's a river that flows through every aspect of every organization so we get to learn about every business because there's technology involved and so right. we come out of those meetings going man i learned so much we're constantly learning and then and then we you know I'm a huge follower of Simon Sinek and Brene Brown and Seth Godin and, and these great marketers and these great orators of the day yeah. today. And and they point out a couple of good things. And that is when you look at some of the leading business groups, right? Industries like the Dow Jones or something. A vast majority of them are younger than 30 years. Mm -hmm. That's it. So America has a great ability to build up really good brands, but we really struggle keeping them going, right? They go, they mushroom, and then they end and they die. And that is almost like a Greek tragedy. It's sad when they die. When I drive by and I see a business that went under, I'm like, that's somebody's kid that didn't get to go to college. That's somebody's mm -hmm. house that got foreclosed. Like it breaks my heart. And so I wanna learn what's working and what's sustaining and then share that with the world. Because I think I think that's something that we can do good. And um, Mark and I, like, we had the opportunity just this week to interview the Wrigley Media Group of the Wrigleys. Now talk about a brand that's been around since the 1800s. And it just keeps getting better and better and better. And it's, it gets more sophisticated. And we're like, that is excellent, right? Like, that's they're doing things right. They've got a brand that lasted and... You know, and look at what Kanaka Minolta has done. Kanaka Minolta has been around since the 1800s. It's yes. been around forever, right? So now it's combined, but together they've been around for so long. And it's just, it's so great to see these brands um, go, right? And, and, and sustain and, and continue generation after generation after generation. Well, it's a, you're 100% right. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me when you can combine... So you use the Wrigley's as an example. They have a great brand. Wrigley is everybody brand. knows it, right? The gum, the Cubs, Wrigley Field. Like you know, you've never people have never been to Chicago know Wrigley Field, right? Every yeah. like everybody knows Wrigley Spearmint Gum. Like it's it's just generational, right? And I, I, I always found it interesting though that that some of the more powerful corporate brands are also the family brand. Mm -hmm. So when you look at it. I always find that curious. You know, Wrigley's a great example. Steve Jobs and Apple. I mean, yeah. you, you, they were they intermingled. They were intertwined. You know, yeah. Apple's a different company without Steve Jobs, obviously, but everyone still thinks of Steve Jobs. Right. Yep. So it, it's it's well. It's, and how did his brand become so good? Because at the day, but what was so revolutionary about him? And I don't want to digress, but but that's a great. I love talking about. Steve Jobs and Apple, because I've read everything about him and, and that and that arc that he had. And the whole thing, what people don't realize, they just see the Apple products today. They just see Apple as a stock today. Like, they don't remember the story. And the story was, at the time, we didn't have computers at home. Nobody did. And <laughs> IBM and guys in suits had big industry computers. That was it. They owned the internet at the time. They owned everything. And he's like, he had this like progressive hippie philosophy, right? And he's like, screw that. We're going to bring this to the people. 
And it was a revolution. It was a technology revolution. It was like a social injustice that he felt that he just bucked the trends constantly and did it. It was, it was just, it's a really fascinating historical story to read about and to see that type of thing keeps happening over and over, right? It's all about, uh, you know, making it accessible to everybody regardless of socioeconomic status. And technology is a great leveler in that. Well, technology, and again, I, I, I always find it interesting because when you grew up, like your dad and I, we lived through these things, right? So to me, right. Steve Jobs, it was, it was Jobs and Waz in the garage. To right. Yeah. Young guys. We're like, what are these guys doing? You know? Right. And, and, and again, I remember, your dad would remember, we wanted to be the guys in suits at IBM for a long time. Everybody did. That was Everybody success. Did. Right? That, that was success. And, and to have Steve Jobs come in with an Apple computer and buck that whole worldwide, you know, yep. was an incredible thing to watch and, and to live. And even for us, you know, you guys that are your age, you know, I look back on it and I, I marvel at the morphing. Everything morphs. So when I started my company, we started our company, MWA. It was a remote, remote service uh, kind of control, right? How do you manage your service personnel? Yeah. Well, the the big thing that we were using, the, the huge tool we were using was pagers. Right. I mean, I want you to think about that. Pagers. Yeah. You know, we, we At that time, pagers were, you know, for keeping track of, you know, salespeople, service people, and yep. drug addicts, and drug people. Yep. Right. I mean, we hadn't even figured out what to do with it. And then right. you, again, you fast forward, you watched it more from pagers to rim devices to, you know, the iPhone about 11, 12 years ago. So to me, the morphing part is the part that keeps that brand alive. You yep. know, it absolutely keeps the brand alive. It's like adaptability, right? When a brand is able to still have its purpose and then the technology changes, you just adapt to the new technology and you still keep that purpose. Right. And then the, the downside to that, too, is, you know, where, where's BlackBerry today? Right. <laughs> well, look at wow, look at yeah. look at Circuit City and Best Buy. Yes. 15 years, 20 years ago, Circuit City was a 10 times better experience. We go in there. It had wood floors. The lighting was better. The people, the salespeople knew what they were talking about. Best Buy was like a big box almost yeah. like a warehouse. It, there was no comparison. But guess who adapted to the digital space? Yep. Right? Yeah. You can get something, you can order something at Best Buy on your iPhone right now and have it delivered at your door or go drive by and pick it up. Like, that, Circuit City never adapted. Well, that's it. See, that's, to me, the exciting part about what we do in the, in the industry we live in or the life we live in. I mean, just you two guys. You know, you're doing this remote. I mean, that never... You know, you, right. in days of past, you'd be in a studio yeah. and people would come and see you. And and now you're in Indianapolis, you're, you're in Kentucky, I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Yep. And you know, my biggest fear is that the Amazon Prime guy is going to come here four times. Right, to and, and ring the doorbell. <laughs> you can ring the doorbell. And the, door, the, the dogs will start barking and you're like, hang on, guys. Yeah. We're going to have to edit that part. So, <laughs> so okay, let's start from the let's start from the top. So... Tell us about your brand. Tell us about kind of, you know, what your position is now 
and 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 what MWA was. Well, you know, I I, I like what you said. I hear I've heard it before. You know that some people will say that I'm the godfather of the industry, which I take as a huge, huge, and very generous compliment. You know, there are some really brilliant, obviously hugely successful people. You know, in the business, and when someone says that, I take it with a great, a great deal of appreciation. So please know, you know, that that means something to me very much. So, but when I, you know, when I look at my brand, I hope my brand. Uh, you know, I've been in the business for forty-seven years, so um, you know, it's been a long, wonderful journey. And even, even, even the、uh, potholes, you know, you learn so much, and you figure out, figure out how to get around them, or don't break the car when you go over them. But but it, you know the brand has to be all about you know simple things, imagination, initiative,、uh, inspiration. You know those are the three eyes I pretty much live by. You know so if you have a if you have a great imagination, then you have to have a great initiative to put it to work. And frankly, if you haven't inspired someone during the day or you haven't been inspired, then you you miss the great opportunity to have a phenomenal day. So when you marry those three things up with integrity and some elegance and some grace、um, and just a lot of hard work, I hope that's what people will think of me. You know, that wasn't the smartest guy in the room,、um, but I sure tried to outwork people and I sure tried to take some ideas and not be afraid of them、um, and, and implement them with a great deal of class if I could. And I think, and again, I think that transcends into something that's probably the most important thing, which is, I firmly believe that in order to be successful by any definition, it's always about the people you have around you, and, and that's where the inspiration part comes in. You know, none of us can stand alone and say, "I did that." You know, we did that, and and I hope that、um, we grew together. You know, we learned together. And MWA, MWA actually was、uh, a dream. It was something I really dreamt about.、Uh, I, I had worked for large Japanese OEMs my entire career.、Um, the last one, of course, being Hitachi Koki, where I was president COO, global distribution, thousands of employees, and 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 I did that for a while. And you know, five years, I think it was a great run. I learned so much, but I also realized it it it. There's a lot of prestige with a job like that, but there isn't as much of a challenge.、Mm-hmm. You're managing, not leading. You know, you're not creating. You're you're improving. You know, you're not doing things that basically takes an idea from an idea, you know, to a Forza product. You know that you you actually have to build it, invest in it, and and make it happen. So, so kind of want- touch. You just touched on a really good. Dichotomy, and that is between management and leadership. How are you defining both of those? Because we, well, Mark, and I have a, feel very strongly about delineating、yeah. between those two types. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that because if I've learned one thing in this career in life,、um, you can be a phenomenal manager, tremendous executive, and and to me, the the difference or the distinction between that. And leadership, a, a true leader in my mind basically puts everyone else ahead of themselves. And when you when you are, and I mean literally, I mean I'm talking about you're important to me. You know, you're important to the next person to you. And and 
you know, again, the difference would be don't put greed ahead of need. Need is, you know, for the unit to do well. It's not about the, uh, you know, the, the earnings report or so. So, and, and again, I, I have tremendous respect for those guys. I mean, that's what they do. And you can be a leader and do both. But it's, it's a very rare commodity when you find a person who can be both at, at a sustainable level. Um, so I know I, I'd like to think I was a pretty darn good executive, but it, but it became, it became, uh, you know, okay, I've got to improve my bottom line by, you know, a million dollars. Who can we fire? Yeah, that's, you know? and, and that's relatively a new concept in the last 30 years, right? Prior to the eighties and nineties, companies didn't do that. Generally, like you didn't see companies cut off a division about, they, 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 would, they would all buckle down. They would all tighten their belts during hard times. Well, they did, yeah, they did different things. I mean, they would take uh, pay cuts or they would, right. they did all exactly. kinds of things. And they stayed with companies for 10, 20, 30 years, which was, you know, pretty much an aberration by today's standards. Yeah. And, and, and again, I'm not sure there's a better or worse, but I, there is a correlation, I think, between some of them going away mm-hmm. and, and some of them sustaining and still here. Yep. You know, IBM being a great example, you know, for them to still be as successful as they are. I mean, that's a huge generational change, which is another thing I think, you know, when I think about leadership, one of, one of the things I always find amazing is that a true leader is usually the one who is sitting in the room listening mm-hmm. and, and absorbing. And I always, I always was grateful that when I started MWA, everyone was young. I mean, I had 20 and 30 year old you know, brilliant engineers or marketing people. My daughter, I mean, Jenna branded Forza. I mean, she came up with it. She used my, our Italian roots and knew something that it meant something and, and we could we could champion the cause. And, and for the listeners, what does Forza stand for? So Forza, Forza means many definitions, but the biggest, the most prominent one is, is courage, strong. It means forceful, right? A force. Yeah. It's a force in the industry. And, 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 and we rallied around that. I mean, it became our culture, you know, to say, okay, we're going to be force. We're going to be a force. Hey, everyone. Mark and I are really excited about an upcoming episode you will not want to miss. The legendary leaders of the Wrigley Media Group. Yep, those Wrigleys. David Bertram and David Cottiam join us in a discussion of their legendary Wrigley brand, which dates back to the 1800s. They are truly a poster child for the longevity of a strong and powerful positive brand. They explain how the leadership team of Wrigley Media Group now includes an Emmy Award-winning producer, an Emmy-nominated writer, a former film animator with credits like Spider-Man 3 and the Lord of the Rings trilogy, a producer who's worked with DreamWorks, Walt Disney Pictures, and HGTV's Fixer Upper. Their group has set its vision on growth and bringing Hollywood to the Midwest namely Lexington, Kentucky. They are surely soon to be a challenger against big names like Turner Broadcasting and Warner Brothers. David and David explain the group is in its 20th year overall and at its helm is Miss D. Wrigley Miller. 
She's the granddaughter of Philip Wrigley, the longtime owner of the Chicago Cubs and the former CEO of the Wrigley Corporation, owner of Wrigley Field and Wrigley Gum. Come listen. And they are so engaging. The credits that this group has include hit primetime productions on Travel Channel, DIY Network, HGTV, and Food Network. Their team has worked on hit shows including Man vs. Food, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations, Expedition Unknown, and more. When we evaluate the epic brand Wrigley Media Group. You know, we're going to go out there and show some courage. We're going to make hard decisions. We're going to go through the things we needed to do. And, and, and again, it goes back to um, by far and away, guys, I was 10, 20, 30 years older, you know, than pretty much everyone on our team. And so when I'm listening to, you know, when I'm thinking about how do I build out a force of product and make it appealing to this generation, well, it's not going to be my ideas that are going to come forward. Right. It's going to be, it's going to be theirs. So, so that's, you know, that's where I think leadership really starts to show its face. Can you keep young people um, and engaged? Can you learn from them? You know, are, I shifted gears out of being an executive into being a mentor. That's really what I did. I was giving them life experiences. You know, when you're challenged by something, you know, I, I was giving them more of what I learned as a human being, not as an executive. And, and that's probably, again, one of the most proud things I think I was able to achieve during my career. You know, Forza became a success, successful enough, you know, that kind of went over, acquired it. And, and that was the culture and, and and I think all covered certainly had a benefit from it because you got these three radical young people inside of a much larger organization now. And oh, yeah. Then, all covered is like a, it's a whole different world than Kanaka. Like it's, and, and we exist within the Kanaka umbrella. But we're, you know, there's some really innovative, radical things that, that happen. It's pretty, it's pretty exciting. Well, so, I, 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 I'm sorry, but I wanted to add one thing. I, having been part of both kind of Minolta and and all covered, I love I love the spirit that entrepreneurial spirit that still is maintained inside of all covered. Yeah, because all covered is a it's now a national brand for a managed security service provider, right? But we are not a we're not a big company like. We are an, we're in a, an amalgamation of like 50 small companies that were all bought, right? And then put under this best practices, you know, yeah. and, 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 and they were all bought for strategic reasons or certain specialties or geographic location or whatever it might be, right? And then we're all put together. So it's not like we all worked in a high rise in New York City. Right, it's not a big corporation where everybody was on six different floors, and it's just that big corporate involvement. It's a bunch of small, different entrepreneurs that are all blended together. So it's it's pretty exciting. It's it's exciting, and I I I find it just a kind of an amazing experiment that works. You know, yeah. something you know, Todd Todd Brodo, right? I, yeah. I always look at him. Look, managing me, right? Um, and, and the others like me has to be the hardest thing in the world because we're all independent thinking. We're all, you know, we're all kind of doing our own thing and all of a sudden Todd's got to figure out how all these pieces fit. 
Well, and he does a phenomenal job. And like I, when I, he interviewed me before I took this managing director job and the questions were so unique, right? Yeah. Like he, you know, he asked about vision and like culture and like the, based on the questions that he was asking, I knew I wanted the position more than I even wanted it before. Right. Because I'm like, he was like, you know, you need to like, he, he wasn't like, you need to drive your sales team for profit and to do this. But he goes, you need to go and sell the first 20 deals without letting your sales team talk. Let them watch you do it. And then let them have more responsibility and more responsibility and then let them go. Right. Like it was all about mentoring and coaching and it was really, it was genuine. It was really good. And, and, you um, just, and you just put an exclamation point on what we think is the difference between an executive and a leader. He did, yeah. he does, he, he did leader. He did the leadership piece. Oh yeah. You know, he's a complete leader. Absolutely. Yeah. We've, we've talked about him numerous times on this podcast and that's, and it's, it's just great. Um, so explain for the, for the listeners who may not understand. So what is Forza? It's, it's an ERP system that was used in the print industry to manage services. And it was all like a comprehensive dashboard. We've actually worked with your team and they've demonstrated for us. It's amazing because now it's being rolled out to other organizations. It's really cool. It's really cool. So when we started with Forza, and, and again, I, I had mentioned a few minutes ago that we started as a service dispatch company. Right. And, and back that's in the a, day of pagers. Back in the day of pagers. And, and what we did is we partnered with the, the business management software tools, right? So we, okay. we partnered with OMD or we partnered with Lacrosse. So there were three primary software tools, uh, eAutomate, OMD, Lacrosse. ECI bought them all. And so essentially the entire industry, pretty much all across North America and some parts of Europe, was tied to those three or one company, one ECI brand. And I realized I could not develop my product ahead of a partner who didn't see the vision, didn't want to develop quickly, didn't want to change, didn't want to morph, didn't recognize the generational changes. IT services and everything else. So you were stuck. You know, you had to take you had to take the initiative to say, all right, I can't stay partnered with a with a you know with a cart. I gotta get a better cart. You know, I gotta get a firm. Mm -hmm. And so we started looking around and uh, we did a great deal of research. We looked at Epicor and NetSuite and all of the then classic true ERPs, because we wanted a real ERP. And we wanted to be associated with a company that would continue to develop. So instead of uh, the way it was back in the day, where we were pushing the software management companies to develop, we wanted to we wanted them to lead, and we keep pace. We wanted to know that everyone was working hard towards a greater good. So long story short, we studied. We spent a great deal of money looking at which ERP would work for our industry. And we made a decision to go with SAP, Business One, and then some associated products with it. It was a great decision because the platform fits anybody from $5 million to a billion dollars. And you have no problem with 
ongoing development. They were spending a billion dollars a quarter in R&D. So there was just tremendous force of force moving forward, a lot of momentum going from on-premise to in the cloud. I mean, the old, our old partner didn't even dream of the cloud and obviously SAP was leading it. So we took the SAP platform and then we created Forza. So SAP, if I were going to use just a general description, let's say that our product at MWA, the Forza product, was 65-70% SAP Business One that we applied and then we built the 30% specifically for the imaging channel. So, so it became, and it is, a quote to cash, all-inclusive, true ERP, ERP. You didn't have, you don't have to have 52 partners to package up to get something. Mm-hmm. Everything is embedded inside the ERP. Yeah, and that's that's the true value proposition. Right. Yeah, because it's yeah. one. It's just one system. Yes. So you don't have multiple partners, you know, one, you got one uh, throat to choke, you know, no one's blaming everyone. Everyone's developing at the same time. Um, The cost and the pricing, there's no contention, you know, between engineering costs and and the pricing of the business because you control it. And so it it turned out, you know, essentially the dealers were uh, in the beginning nervous, you know, because we had not done that before. We hadn't delivered Mm -hmm. an ERP. Um, but we signed up, you know, our first five, we put them in a beta program. We worked very, very closely with, um, SAP and they saw the, they saw the beauty and the wisdom of taking a vertical market instead of a hundred bars. Yeah. And so we got, we got them behind us and the expertise that we, you know, basically collected and working one, one vertical market was enormous. And, and we got so a lot of- is a great name. Forza is a good because that that was a brave move. Well, the the brand itself. I mean, think about it. We in, in an ideal world, we were nothing, and we associated. You know, we were a little company here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we associated our brand with SAP, one of the top ten brands in the world. You know, for innovation and, and uh, ERP planning. So we had the lucky benefit of having a very cool name you know, married with an SAP powerful brand. And and really, it's, you know, thank, thankfully, uh, great engineering and people like Jenna and Hero and, you know, the sales groups, um, we we got it done. You know, we, we just, we had fun. It worked. Uh, we had some great advocates and ambassadors, you know, dealers like, you know, DPOE in Chicago or ITG here in, in uh, Phoenix. The first dealers, they actually got on board and they were our best salespeople. That's excellent. That, that, was, the, that was the plan. You know, we couldn't, we couldn't deal with two, 3,000 independent dealers with just 25 people out here in Scottsdale. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's when you know you've really done well is when your client now becomes your biggest advocate in helping you drive sales. I mean, that's, that just speaks success and, and relevant to what you're doing. So I'm curious, I want to shift gears a little bit real quick because I'm just personally interested and I know the listeners will be as well. So you achieved a, you know, a great level of success leading Hitachi Koki and you were there. Was there some event or some individual or something that, that made you want to, to, to venture out on your own? What, what drove you to make that decision? 
Well, you know, that's a great question. I always think about that. And there are so many people, you know, when, you, when you've been in the business as long as I've been, um, and, and so many people, basically, they come and help you. You can't, you just can't. I mean, Rick Taylor, um, you know, Frank Canada, uh, Patricia Ames, um, Mr. Murase from Canon, you know, one of the most visible and respected Japanese executives in the world. Uh, we were competitors. And I guess, yeah, that's a, you know, let me think about that because there was one event uh, I was being given an award by the Business Technology Association. And uh, it was a wonderful, you know, kind of an achievement award probably 20 years ago. And I was standing on the stage with Mr. Morase, and he was getting an award as well. And I was thinking, you know, here I am, a young guy, and, you know, Mr. Morase, and I'm getting this award, and I'm standing next to a guy who literally makes me uh, in awe. You know, I'm just, this is like one of my role models. So elegant, so smart, so calm so successful and um and i'm standing there and i'm listening to him and while the people you know the mc was introducing him and i and he leaned over to me and he said i don't like this award really why yeah and and i and i and i yeah i'm like i'm not even thinking about the award i'm just thinking about the fact i'm standing next to him right and and it was a, it was a moment because because at that moment and again there were you know thousand two thousand people in the room and and he kind of threw me you know you're up on a stage and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say and he says I don't like this award Mike son huh. and I'm like oh, okay then I don't like it either <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so but but he explained because I asked him afterward I said. Yeah. That was really kind of a strange comment to make while we're in front of people. And he said, well, it's not necessarily the award, it's the attention. I, I don't like the attention. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. a great humility, right? Yeah. That's great humility, which is such a key component in leadership. Well, especially since he was one of the most famous executives in our business in the world. And, and I remembered that. And I, and I saw that pattern you know, in a, in a lot of people, you know, I saw that humility basically in, in Mike Reardon and, and Ed McLaughlin. And I mean, there are a whole, just a long litany of people who helped me along the way. And the one consistent thing, which I suppose you could probably tie to the difference between executive and leadership is that fundamental core humility. It's, it's genuine. He did not feel comfortable, you know, standing on that stage. And, and of course, if you look around, you, you can easily see the people who really enjoy being on that stage. Right. right? They and were so, managers. The managers. So they were managers. Did you get that graphic? Yeah. You know, did you get that? Well, so yeah. and that, that kind of stuck with me for a while, a long time. And That's I, excellent. I, yeah. I so think this is, I, I think that this is a great time. Let's let's uh, take a let's take a detour and play a little brand culture trivia. So this is a segment that we do, where where we play again. Mark plays against our guest. I'm the MC, and and let me uh, let me do this for you. I'm going to play the intro right now, and then we're going to come back, and I'll start the first question. So hang tight to recording. Okay. 
ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, everyone, to Brand Culture Trivia, where the points don't matter, but the brand does. In this segment, we play a trivia game against our guest. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, along with my co-host, David Morrow. David, tell us about the rules and the awesome prizes. Absolutely. The rules are as follows. You get to guess as fast as you can. You get as many answers as you want, and the first one to give the right answer wins a point. The first contestant to three points wins the game. What do you get if you win? Glad you asked. You get 14,684 Brandology bucks. What is that worth? Those are absolutely worthless, but we might send you a sticker for playing. So let's get started with brand culture trivia. David, why don't you spin the wheel of trivia and see what our first question is? All right, here I go. It is a heavy, heavy wheel. So we are back. It was a great introduction. So, um, you know, um, I'm going to say a company slogan. You respond back real quick. First one to get the answer wins the point. First one to three points wins the game. For example, company slogan, just do it, Nike, right? Breakfast of champions, Wheaties. That's the game, okay? Okay, let's see what we can do. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's... Oh, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's blank. MasterCard? Nope. Not MasterCard, dude. Yeah. I was going to say American Express. I, so. Maybe she's born with it. Think of like a woman's appearance. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's blank. Probably shouldn't ask. MasterCard? Over... No, not Master. It's not a credit card, guys. Oh. Um, God, I don't know. It's a tough one. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that one in the folder right here. See that green folder right there? That's okay. gonna keep. That's in. The I'm marketing here either. I'm I'm gonna keep that one for later. But that the answer was Maybelline. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Uh, okay. You know. Okay. So let's keep going. Let's keep going. Blank gives you wings. Blank gives you wings. Wings. It's Delta. A, it's a drink. Oh. Blank gives you wings. Vodka. <laughs> yes. yes, yes, it does. But that is not what we're that's not what we're talking about this morning. <laughs> because otherwise then we'd have to follow this up with a twelve step program. I, I don't think I'm doing well at this. No, it's okay. Mark does worse, so it's all right. Yeah. It's all good. Red Bull. Yes. All right. Uh, Good there job. Go. All yes, right. Thank you. Thank you. There <laughs> go. The score's one to nothing. Okay. The quicker picker-upper. Oh, God, I know this. Hoover. The quicker picker-upper. The vacuum. Kirby. Kirby. Oh. Those are really good vacuums. I believe you. But it's, it's not, not a vacuum. vacuum. I guarantee you it's quicker than like Dirt Devil or any of them. I believe you, but talk to the marketing department who created the quicker picker-upper, and they don't work for those people. No. 
quicker picker upper. It's like it's coke or it's a, it's, it is it's something like that. It's actually bounty. The quicker oh, picker upper. Oh god, the the rolls of paper. Okay, I got it. All right, that makes sense. Mark, okay, here we go. Here we go. Here Mark, we go. We're, we're not good at this, Mark. No, no, it's okay. It's good. I'm historically bad. You're new bad. <laughs> Let's see what we got. The best a man can get. The Marlboro. best a man can get. Marlboro. No, not cigarettes. Think of like things men do. They comb their hair, they shave their face. The best a man can get. Gillette. Yes! Whoa! Wow, Mark, I got it! Mark, I think that's your first point in like six episodes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've been on a dry stretch. (laughs) Wow. Wow, it's one-to-one. Holy cow. I gotta tell you, if you beat Mr. Stramaglio, I'm gonna have to kill you. (laughs) So so I'm just letting you know that. Yeah, I know. Fair warning, sir. Be careful what you guess. The Godfather won't like that. There are some things you don't do at his daughter's wedding. I'm just telling you, don't do that. So, okay. Here we go. Next one. All right, I'm looking at my crew. Got it. We have another one. Okay. Um, there are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's blank. Mastercard. Yes. Yes. That is a great answer. He, he got that right away. It is two to one. Two to one. Two to one. Mm, what do we do? Bet you can't eat just one. Jay's potato chips. Oh. Close. It's not Jay's. Mm. It sounds just like that. Oh, Dorita. Uh... Skittles. It sounds mm. just like Jay's. Skittles? Space. You can't Space. eat just one Skittle. Have you ever tried to eat one Skittle? No. That's, <laughs> I love Skittles, but yeah, how does Skittles like sound like Jay's? You can't, you can't eat just one. It sounds it's just Jay's. like Jay's. It's just not Jay's. Ladies. Yes. And we have a winner. Yes. Mr. Stramaglio has won. Three Uh, to one. I will say, Mark put up a good fight today. He he actually scored a point. I was was bringing it today. You you brought your A game today. (laughs) You brought your A game. You just got killed three to one today. Yeah, yeah. That was good. That was a close game. I like that. I'd like to file it. Protest. That's great. Okay, well, let's let's Mark, revert back. I, I gotta say, he scared you. Yes, <laughs> yeah, he did. He threatened you. I oh, did. I that was, was and it's recorded. It's recorded. Yeah. So, dear HR, because Mark, <laughs> dear <laughs> HR, this will be used in an HR. There's going to be a video. You know, kind of like a billion HR, videos. Right? There will be an HR video of things not to do. It'll be this recording of me bullying you. Yeah, yeah. Here's here's David. These are the things you shouldn't do. <laughs> These are the things you're not supposed don't, to don't do. Don't be a David. Don't, don't be, be a David. Don't be like him. <laughs> We've coined a new term for HR. <laughs> That's great. That's excellent. All right, let's 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 circle back into as we start to wrap this up. It's 948. Um, what, um, Mark, go ahead. 
I'm gonna. I've I've been asking a ton of questions. No, it's just there's there's so much history. I'm sure there's so many stories you could provide. We may have to make this a, a two part series because yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think you got a whole lot more to share out there. But I'm just curious as you as you kind of wrap this up and wind down, just on a on a personal level, what's next for you? Well, you know, the COVID situation kind of changed, uh, you know, my my life plans, and, yeah. which is kind of a it's not just me, obviously, the whole world was affected by it. But, um, you know, my plan was to sell the company, help help uh, the company basically transition inside of all cover. Um, and, and basically, you know, kind of take it easy for a little while. You know, I had a plan. I wanted to go to Italy. I go to Italy every year. I love it there. Oh, wow. I, what part of Italy do you go? Uh, Puglia, down in the south. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, my, my my family's from a small town called Madunio in, in Puglia. So my wife and I, we go back every year. Is that in Sicily or is that in the southern part no, it's, it's, it's on the part mainland? Of, part of the mainland. Part of the mainland, okay. Yeah, it's on the Adriatic side. between. Oh, okay, the got it. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the plan was, you know, uh, hey, I've enjoyed a wonderful career. I, I'm blessed, truly blessed. And we were going to go to Italy for a little bit, a little bit. And because of COVID, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything, really. So um, I had a plan. I was going to start a little consulting company. And I, I did. So I, I just moved that up because, you know, you really, you, you can't you can't really play all kinds of golf or ride Harleys every day. Right. right. And, and frankly, you have to stay stimulated. And you have to stay engaged. Otherwise, you just atrophy, I think. So I started a little company called Stromalio Consulting. Very genius name, I thought. Yeah, who who came up with that? Yeah. Like that is. It took me. It took me a long time. Decades to think of decades. that. A lot I of really research. Wanted... Yeah, yeah. You had to hire a firm. <laughs> I did. I got a branding. No. So, <laughs> there we go. So so um, you know, I started a little company, and and thank thank goodness, I I probably. Um, I am a little surprised. I, I had a lot of people come to me and ask me if I'd be interested in doing some projects. Um, so I'm very, very grateful, you know, that, that I'm able to contribute to the industry, you know, keep myself educated and informed and help people, you know, along the way where I can. Um, and, and so I don't really, you know, my intent number was to have 100 clients or 200 clients. It was to have 10 or 15 and just you know, keep engaged, helping people that I like. And so that's what I'm doing. I, I'm focused on three areas. One is more of us uh, helping people bring new products into the States or expand those products. So thankfully I have you know three clients right now that are uh, already in early stage or some stage of development to launch. So I'm helping them bring those products into the marketplace and they'll be more obvious over the course of the next few weeks and months. But that's my excitement factor. I love doing that part. I love that's really cool. It. Yeah, because you're getting those, you're developing those brands and you're letting those brands have a wider reach and a wider market share. Exactly. And and, and you're also seeing this generational change again, you know, what's going to happen with medical equipment and oh yeah, you know, all these new things. And then the second one is more or less just general professional services. So where I can go in and help a dealer or an OEM, you know, if they have a project that they need taken care of, they want me to do an assessment of their processes, 
as it relates to ERP or anything else. So that's a services-based business. And then the third one uh, I got pulled into um, by invitation. I hadn't really expected to spend a lot of time in that area, but some mergers and acquisitions. Ah. So, so those are the three areas, you know, Very cool. really focus on pretty much in that, in that tiering. And it's been fun. You know, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, we, we actually, we get it. We do a lot with M&A with mergers and acquisitions because they need deal rooms created, you know, like they need something and the all covered cloud is like perfect for that, right? You create a deal room because when there's a merger and acquisition, you might have 30 people involved. Well, not everybody can have access to everything, but certain people need access to some things. Intellectual property, financials, HR, employee, you know, all like the, the actual deal documents, like lawyers need to see some things, but they don't need to see everything. Um, some people involved in HR might need, might need to see some things, but not necessarily intellectual property. Like, and so we get along, we, we, we kind of create those and we create access to some things, but not others. It's kind of interesting. That's cool. Yeah, it, it is, it's an, it's an intriguing business and I'm, I'm more involved than I probably wanted to be. But I think the one thing that, that uh, I can help, you know, M&A work, I mean, people are very good. It's always about negotiating and posturing and these are very smart people. It's always about multiples and EBITDA. But the yep. part, you know, the part that I find, um, where I help is the the uh, the psychological part, the emotional part. Right. You know, where someone um, has has had a baby, you know, basically growing a business for 30, 40, 50 years, and of course they think it's worth a hundred bazillion dollars um, because it is their baby. Because it's their blood, sweat, and tears. It's who they are as people. And I, I and I find I walk down that middle middle lane pretty well mm-hmm. between buyer and seller. Yeah, I could see that, right? Because you've been in both of those positions, exactly. Right, and I know the I know the I know the emotion of it. Right, I, I understand it, and so that's been fun. You know, it's been fun to help some people get some deals done. And, that's great. Now yeah. you ride Harley's, don't you? I see you yes. on social media, and you guys ride. You ride for the Jillian Fund. You do you do a whole bunch of things. Yeah, so t- tell us me. about tell us a little bit about the Jillian Fund and. And tell us about and tell us about your passion for for Harley's and writing. So we, I started a, a it was actually a bucket list probably ten years ago. Where mm-hmm. A friend of mine and myself, you know, I'm a veteran, so I always wanted to ride my Harley across the country. And there's this event called Rolling Thunder, you know, honor the KIAs, MIAs, and our veterans. So we did it one time, and then all of a sudden, a bunch of other guys in the industry said, "Hey, I want to do it with you." And so we started this group called the Patriot Pack. And basically the Patriot Pack rides wherever we can, you know, hopefully without COVID back to DC. Well, we, I ran into uh, Bill McLaughlin uh, up from Atlanta, tomorrow's office up in, in New York. He's a dear friend. And, um, and he was associated with the Children's Fund. And I, I happened to remember the gentleman who used to actually work for me when I was when we were together at one of the OEMs. And long story short, he lost his daughter, um, mm-hmm. um, Jillian, to le- leukemia. And then he lost his son. So he lost both his children. Oh. Yeah, it's just the most gut-wrenching kind of heartache any parent can even imagine. And so um, I spoke with George. And, and you know, sometimes things are just destined. 
right? That's a mm -hmm. destiny. So Bill and I talked, George and I spoke. I said, look, maybe I could bring some visibility and raise some you know, donations if we associated with the ride across the country. So we've done that eight years in a row. That's and great. And the industry's really rallied around, you know, the whole event. Jim Serkleski over at Clover, he's donated uh, uh, a Harley every year for the past five years that we can raffle wow. off. Wow. You know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's been kind of coming off, it's been involved. Sharp has been actively involved, Rico. And George is just a wonderful, wonderful human being. And it's for terminally ill children and seriously ill children and their families. Yeah, she died of a very rare, aggressive uh, blood cancer, right? Yes. Yeah. And ironically enough, ironically enough, my wife had the same leukemia. Unfortunately, she survived. She had a bone marrow transplant. Oh, my. So it's kind of personal, too. Oh, yeah. You know, besides uh, the obvious. Yep. So yeah, I'm, I'm very happy you brought that up. We've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars and they've raised millions as a group. That's and, great. Yeah, and the money the money goes directly to the family. There's no interest. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and, and it helps the families that are dealing with children that are suffering from these. It helps with like rent, like all the things that families need help with during yes. that time. Anybody yeah. that's ever had a child sick knows what you need help with, right? And this yes. goes directly, this isn't to pay for some administrator's Long Beach home, or this goes directly to the people. It's a great, great cause. Any yeah. any family that is dealing with a child with cancer, this goes directly to the provider. And uh, we're going to have a link down below, and we're going to have a sponsorship ad placed in this episode as well. Well, I know everyone at the Jillian Fund, and I appreciate it. Everyone is, is really grateful for you to do that. No, it's about time Mark and I do something good, too. So it's all good. I think you guys are doing fantastic. I love the work you do. Yeah, we, we, we absolutely enjoy it. So, uh, Mr. Smaglio, thank you so much for your time today. We really, really appreciate it. Um, thank you I promise you this is not the last time that we will talk. No. No. And um, we will probably, if it's okay with you, we would love to have you on again sometime. I would so. be honored to do it, and it's been a pleasure. Mark, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I beat you. Yeah. yeah, maybe we can have a rematch. I think a rematch would be good. We can make it a light we'll make session. Make it a grudge match, yeah. Yeah, grudge yeah, match. Yeah, I like grudge that. Match. That's fantastic. Thank you for everything. And, and um, mo most importantly, thank you for your service. I appreciate that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for bringing it up. It's an honor to serve. And guys, you have a great, fantastic day. I'm truly grateful. And, and if I can help again in any way, just let me know. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, All Mike. the best. We'll stay in touch. Have a great day, buddy. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you. You too, guys. See ya. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Mark and I are really excited about a special feature we have coming up about the rise and the challenges of this technology transportation company that has literally changed the world. It experienced explosive growth, but had constant controversy, making it one of the most fascinating companies to emerge over the past Two decades. The firm, which was founded back in 2009, soon grew to become one of the highest valued private startup companies in the world. And yet its leadership, culture, and business practices have all been called into question, and the brand itself has been under seemingly constant attack. 
Join us as we explore the rise, the challenges of this technology transportation company. We've all used it and the leaders who are now trying to save it today. Join us as we discuss the rise and fall of Uber Technologies. Hey everyone, Mark and I are really excited about an upcoming episode you will not want to miss. The legendary leaders of the Wrigley Media Group. Yep, those Wrigleys. David Bertram and David Cottiam join us in a discussion of their legendary Wrigley brand, which dates back to the 1800s. They are truly a poster child for the longevity of a strong and powerful positive brand. They explain how the leadership team of Wrigley Media Group now includes an Emmy Award-winning producer, an Emmy-nominated writer, a former film animator with credits like Spider-Man 3 and the Lord of the Rings trilogy, a producer who's worked with DreamWorks, Walt Disney Pictures, and HGTV's Fixer Upper. Their group has set its vision on growth and bringing Hollywood to the Midwest namely Lexington, Kentucky. They are surely soon to be a challenger against big names like Turner Broadcasting and Warner Brothers. David and David explain the group is in its 20th year overall and at its helm is Miss D. Wrigley Miller. She's the granddaughter of Philip Wrigley, the longtime owner of the Chicago Cubs and the former CEO of the Wrigley Corporation, owner of Wrigley Field and Wrigley Gum. Come listen, and they are so engaging. The credits that this group has include hit primetime productions on Travel Channel, DIY Network, HGTV, and Food Network. Their team has worked on hit shows including Man vs. Food, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations, Expedition Unknown, and more. When we evaluate the epic brand Wrigley Media Group. Mark and I want to take a moment and thank everyone that listens and subscribes to our podcast. It means a lot. We're truly trying to make this one that we ourselves would find interesting and find entertaining. Um, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas for subjects, great brands that have risen and fallen, great case studies, or fantastic guests that you'd like to see, please reach out to us, Brandology Podcast Staff at gmail.com that's brandology podcast staff at gmail.com hey david that was another great episode we tend to post one or two a week uh, unfortunately don't really have a way of wrapping this up no uh no we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological um thank you for listening please follow and subscribe turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode you will be notified of the new content Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening.